0: Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes. Today, we are talking about a pretty heavy topic, but honestly, I think this is one very, very near and dear to many hearts. So today, we're talking about grief, and we're talking about how to manage grief, how to work through grief in the most productive and healthy ways. When we lose a loved one in an instant, when we have experiences of long, drawn-out, slow deaths. When people leave us because of a mass shooting, whatever the scenario is, death is not easy. So today we're going to talk about how to work through death in ways that we can see the gifts within it. I know that sounds so crazy because it seems like there's never a gift in someone leaving us. It seems like there is never going to be a time when we can just appreciate what we had and not miss what we don't. Today, we're going to talk about that. Today's guest is Corey Sirota. With a master's degree in social work and practicing as a psychotherapist, Corey is one of the top leading experts in her field. She has a private practice that specializes in loss and bereavement, stress management, and relationship issues. She's the author of Someone Died, Now What? A Personal and Professional Perspective on Coping with Grief and Loss. She's done TED Talks, she speaks internationally, and she is the co-host of a weekly radio show talk show called Life Unrehearsed on CJAD eight hundred. She is a remarkable woman, and I am so very privileged to bring her to you. So, with no further ado, I want to welcome Corey to Fear It Goes. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandy Taylor. Hi, Corey. It's such a pleasure to have you here on Fear It Goes. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing such beautiful insight and expertise into our community.
2: I am so happy that you invited me to do so. I love this opportunity. And so I welcome it all the time and excited to be here.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. We were just discussing forgiveness because this is what I was just writing about is forgiveness and gratitude and how this kind of correlates with grief and the things that we experience through grief and the ways that emotions tie in and the releasing of emotions. So. I actually just kind of want to repeat what we were just saying because it was really good.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're talking about perception and emotions that are tied into our perception and how it's so easy for someone from the outside to see these things. That's why mentors, coaches, um, therapists, all, all these great guides are here to help and can see the big picture. Whereas often when we're so tight into the emotion, we can't see the picture at all. We just see our little piece of, and we hold tight to that.
2: Well, that's it. Really. It's, it's, our, it's what I'm thinking. I don't want to let go of that. And it's also co- which conti- contributes to the whole concept of grief and letting go, which is also a fascinating topic about why do we hold on? Why is it so difficult to let go? There's a fear of letting go, that, that whole piece around, well, if I let go, what does that mean? What does that mean about me? What does that say about me? Does it mean I never really cared about the person? Because now I'm moving forward. And there's a great uh, TED talk about people moving forward versus moving on. We We do move forward. We don't move on.
0: I would agree. Life, the interesting thing that I found, okay, so I was saying I really experienced grief for the first time in my life to the magnitude I did when my dog died. And yes, it seems so different because it's a dog. It's a pet. But she was really like our first kid. And I will never forget the thought going through my head of, I can't believe the world just continues on and she's gone.
1: Mm -hmm. Like the
0: irrational thoughts that go through your head. But we forget that life is moving. It's always always fluid and moving around us. It doesn't stop because we feel stuck.
2: The only constant is change, right? Right. So I, I have to, I'm going to sort of point out that I believe that much of our behavior is related to loss and a lot of non-death losses. So even though this was, I'm not taking away from A, that it was a significant point in time when your dog died, but you have had losses all your life. They just haven't been death losses.
0: That's an interesting idea. I can't wait to dig into this.
2: <laughs> so looking at that, and, and in fact, that's part of where we don't recognize and we don't treat them as if a lot. So we don't know, why am I acting like this? Right. Nobody died. Well, but yeah, something changed. Unwelcome change happened. And so we need to grieve that. We need to acknowledge it. And we need to grieve that. That's one piece. And it, when we don't do our grief work, it comes up all over the time, ta- all over the place all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the In way, lots of eyes. awesome ways. Life presents for you. <laughs> Always presenting for you. Um, so let's talk about that. I really hadn't. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that when we were talking about grief originally, and loss. Of course, people experience loss when they leave a career. Mm-hmm. When, um, when the kids any, leave the house,
2: any transition. Yes Any transition changing countries, changing jobs uh, transition from adolescent uh, schools, vocations for sure we talked about um uh, loss of well I see anxiety and and, um, and stress stress, stress yeah. loss, loss of control
0: Oh, that's a good one because <laughs> we are always trying to control the outcome mm mm-hmm. Which is kind of crazy.
2: <laughs> well, good luck with that. Like, I was sort of tell designing <laughs> How's that working for you? You know?
0: Right. Oh, trying to control the outcome is near, I, I can't say it's impossible, but it's a lot of forced energy when we are trying to control the outcome instead of allowing it to develop into what it's supposed to be. And we can guide it. Right. And discover the journey along the way is absolutely incredible. Right. But to force an outcome often causes so much conflict within
2: well, because and you can't outside. It. You can't control it any more than you can control the weather.
0: Right. But why can't we?
2: <laughs> well, I know. But I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I want it to be, to be sunny today. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, we would. But what we can control is around it is if I don't like living in a climate that has very cold weather, then I can make the decision to move, but I can't control the whether it's going to snow or not. Or, I, or right. I can control whether I put on a jacket, go out or don't go out. But, and, and, and it's funny. So we use the weather analogy, but that's life in general, that's life and death and loss in general. We spend so much energy and time trying to put things in boxes and places and spaces and, and yep. situations. And then we're angry because they don't work the way that we would like to. They would, we would like them to. Right. And now can I go back to something else? Yes, please. I want to talk about, I also want to talk about, there were two things when you said about your dog. I think that also as a society, we also put certain circumstances and beliefs in silos and boxes and, and and hierarchies. And I will say to, as part of you, I talked with you prior to this about um, different aspects of grief and why for someone like you was your dog any less, valuable or any less significant so it's not about who died it's about the significance in the relationship to right. who died because i've had families where they had no immediate family were not the people they were they were sad but right. then there's uh someone in their lives who was a mentor or um uh, an, an example i use around the, uh, the pet is i had a client whose uh their dog died and they said why did i cry more when my dog died than when my grandmother died and I said, well, I'll talk about, first I said, well, did you like your grandmother? <laughs> <laughs> How close were you? <laughs> so, and then I said, sir, no. Tell me about the relationship. She said, well, my grandmother lived out of town. I never, we didn't speak very often and I saw her even less. But my dog, Bruno. Bruno was there when I married. Bruno was there when I had my first baby. Bruno was there when I got divorced. Bruno was always there. So the meaning of the relationship not about who it is and we judge all the time people judge, judge 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 about how well what what why should you be that sad what's 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 wrong with you or even we judge ourselves what, why you know it's only it's right. never right only a dog. and i'm not a dog person and i know it's never only a dog
0: it's, it's it's so great that you just said that because i hadn't even thought i like i talked about judgment uh, I think actually last week on the podcast. And I talked about judgment from so many different spaces that we judge ourselves and judge other people. I had never thought at all of the way that we pass judgment sometimes on significance or oh meaning or brushing or, or trying to downgrade that for the purpose of what my dog was amazing. She was, <laughs> can't believe we're talking about this, but it's really funny. <laughs> She was amazing. She was like a completely crazy spirit in this little fuzzy body, mm-hmm. and in the end, she was suffering so much. It was, it was absolutely time to say goodbye. And it was so difficult to say goodbye. Gu- oh, it's making me choke yeah, up. <laughs>
2: of, of course. So then, why? Who am I? Who's anybody to put a value on that? Shame on them. And I, I, in my book, someone died. Now what? I have a chapter called stop being should on
0: should shoulda coulda woulda. <laughs>
2: yeah we spend a lot of time telling other people what they should do and judging for them and the truth is it's kind of like crabs in a bucket you know when there's a yep. bucket of crabs one tries to crawl out they pull that the other crabs will pull that bucket that crab that that one that's trying to leave out right because people don't want to be
0: different. Alone?
2: And alone, and so and Mm. and want you to be on their team and their side. And so, let's say for uh, I hear all the time. Oh gosh, I never, I don't go to the cemetery. I'm really bad. I really should have gone to the cemetery. Well, if the cemetery is not the place that resonates with you, why is that wrong? If somebody else or you go all the time, someone says, "Well, why do you go all the time?" That's probably coming from their own issue around the fact that they don't go.
0: Right. Right. And honestly, I think like a location doesn't matter it's what's what's what you're carrying with you and this is the point i got to going through the stages of grief and we'll talk about the stages of grief in okay. a sec but um, when i finally kind of came to the other side of grief and i went through my stages it it wasn't that i got over her yeah. death i don't think you ever get over exactly. a death i, like you I think the- you move through it and then you find the appreciation on the other side as much as, yeah, this still chokes me up a little, like I miss her. She was awesome. She was crazy. Just the right kind of crazy. (laughs) Perfect for me. Perfect for me. But she gave me such a gift in the time that she was with us. You know, like I look back on all these memories with her with so much laughter and joy. And even when she was just being a total little bugger, (laughs) they make me laugh. And I love that I still get to carry that with me for the rest of my life. No matter what, she will always be with me for the rest of my life.
2: That's right. So I, I def- definitely don't get over it. And I, again, first chapter, get over it. Now other stupid things people say, because <laughs> I literally collect the things that are, are astounding. And I know, by the way, for anybody who I might've said it, you might've said it, whomever, who, so whoever's listening... We say it from a good place. That, of I course, we get. Nobody. The intention is not to be harmful. But before you say something, stop and think about how that might sound to the person who is grieving. Well, what often you're to do is make it better.
0: Right. Often we're trying to make it better, so we say things that don't make anything better. Sometimes we just need to sit there and be quiet.
2: That's it. Just, just be. Just, just listen. Be-
0: Listen. Just hug them, give them what they need in that moment. But it's not about us feeling uncomfortable with their pain. It's about them just needing to express or be loved in the moment where they feel that loss. Right? Yeah.
2: yeah. And, yeah. Not, and not trying to fix it.
0: <laughs> it's so hard for fixers.
2: Yeah. I, yes. Yes. And that's the challenge. Is, is But even sometimes, and we all do it uh, quite often, is we match stories. Like, oh, you're, you're, well, my, sometimes we have to wait and see, like, do you want me to match that story? Because now you're, it's becoming about me. And not about you.
0: I don't think it's that we're trying to match a story, because I've done that before too. And it's interesting that you say this, because I hadn't even, again, hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's not that I'm trying to match the story, it's that I'm trying to say, I know where you're at. Right? And I know what this is like. And it's really shitty. And I'm, instead of saying, I know where you're at, I know what this is like and this is really shitty. I'm here for you. I give you my story, right? right? And I think that's what we're doing in that moment is we're just offering that, that we've been here too. Um, but we do it in a way that may not come across exactly, like may not that, come I, across I, I, in the way that we want it to. Yeah. So See, so that's that,
1: now
0: that's, now that's that whole non malicious, right?
2: Right. No, no, they not a lot called the umbrella of care that we have, that we just want it. We want to be helpful. And I, one of the first things I'll say to any client that I'm working with is that I don't have the answers and I can't fix it, but I can accompany you through the process.
0: That's beautiful. I can support you and, and hold that space for you when, because you need it. Until
2: you're ready to, to, because I hold the hope until they're ready to see it because that you say like how do you manage it in in all of this and you mentioned stages and while there's lots of literature out there starting with our most well-known elizabeth Kubler ross and to Therese randu and john uh william warden they all one talks about phases the other talks about the tasks the other talks about the processes and they're all good and they're all true on one level Right. The problem is that we don't pass through these these phases or stages or in one nice, neat little
0: nope. fashion. So, and you might bounce back and forth between them. Well,
2: that's it. That's it. I actually yes. have um, uh, this. I don't know if you can see this. Are you able to see this?
0: Grief. Yeah, I can see that. Sorry, you guys can't see that because we're but, on so video, but you're not.
2: It's, 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 visualize a a process of a you and starting with um shock and denial and disbelief going all the way through a whole host of emotions coming culminating in acceptance most theories will look like that but the truth is and the picture i show is a mishka bibble uh (laughs) a, a drawing of that because it changes all the time and it's complicated and it's messy and no you're not going crazy you're grieving Just recognize that it is a process. That's why we go back to it. You don't get over it. You learn to live with it, and it changes all the time.
0: Well, and it changes things, aspects about you, too, because there's a different appreciation that comes with the understanding of that relationship when you've moved through it.
2: And you mentioned earlier forgiveness. Yep. This whole concept of, I think there's a lot of, one of the biggest emotions I hear about is guilt. Right, I would have of okay. done, and I well, and right. if I only well, that I was also me. To try and reframe. Well, what really is guilt? And what I understand about guilt is, if you know that I'm sick, and you choose not to come visit me because you have something better to do or whatever, right. and then I and then I die, feel feel guilty. <laughs> you,
0: <had information. laughs> you should feel guilty. Should should should. Yeah.
2: You had information. <laughs> you made a decision. Right. And, okay, I get that, but most of the time we don't know that someone is, especially with a sudden illness. Right? We don't. If we knew, if we had that information, of course we would have done something differently.
0: And even on the other side of that, okay, so someone we find out someone's dying, and they're in the hospital, and we choose not to see them. Mm-hmm. We're struggling with our own stuff inside, that's yeah. stopping us from going, and then the guilt that comes from us being in a space not able to hold the space for them in their moment is crushing for us, right? That's the guilt. It's interesting because when Annabelle died, for me in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I could have been a better, I could have done this, I should have done that. Shoulda, shoulda, shoulda."s right? Right. Um, because all this crazy shit goes through your head. And, and I will never forget literally the, the second day, the, uh, the first day when the vet came and put her down, I was a disaster. Couldn't stop crying. I was a mess. Then the next day, I woke up and I was like, "How is the world still moving? How are things still going on around me?" Because I feel like I am—I don't know—I'm complete disaster in my headspace. But it's interesting when we look at judgment, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm judging myself. This is why I feel guilty. I'm judging myself because I didn't come see you in the hospital when you were when you were in your last latter days.
2: But you made a choice, understand that. And it's not necessarily, is it wrong? It's I will not necessarily it's,
0: wrong or right.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's right or wrong for you. I get the question all the time. And I use this as my own barometer. I was just ask someone Ask, should I go to a funeral? Shouldn't I go to a funeral? I said, I'm not going to give you the answers. But what I do is I say, let's say somebody has died and I'm, right. I don't know whether or they're sick. If I see them, well, in the case of death, I'm not going to see them, but if I see someone who's sick in the hospital and I don't go and I think I'm going to feel bad about it, then I guess I better go. Right. That's a great barometer. How do and, I feel yeah. I am going
0: to feel yeah. <laughs> when I
2: see the family, the mourners? How am I going to feel when I run into them? Am I going to be embarrassed that I didn't do something? Sort of. That's it. Then I obviously feel like I need to go. But if I'm okay, and if I, there's times where I say, I'm going to be fine, because I, and I'm going to be fine with the expectation, although it's hard not to have expectations, but with the expectation that they probably wouldn't come in circumstances if something were in my way. And I'm okay with that. Not to say that I have any control over whether they would or wouldn't, but I can't, I can't be angry at them then, because I made a choice. And and am I okay with that? I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm not going or I'm going.
0: Right. I look very much from that space for almost anything these days. How does it feel within me? Does it feel okay? Does it not feel okay? And that's a great barometer for many, many questions we ask ourselves. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I make this change? Should I not make this change? Should I go see that person? Should I not? Should I date this person?
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Be
2: be honest with yourself. Uh, Are you really okay with it or are you convincing yourself that you're okay with it? (laughs) Because I, that will, I, I can't say 100%, but I would say it, it does help. It certainly helps me make decisions
0: around. Helps me make action. decisions too. Yeah. And where am I making this decision from? I always look at what perspective or what lens am I wearing right now when I'm, when I'm yeah. looking at this choice, right? Yeah. How am I coming at this? Am yeah. I looking at it through a very emotional standpoint or am I looking at it through a clear, um, a clear lens and really assessing the situation for what it is? right? Yeah. Instead of what I'm trying to put on it. Oh, this person's so, so amazing.
2: You know, <laughs> lot, lot, you know, lots of judgment when, when I work with clients who say, uh, you know, it's, I, I can't win. I go out, if I look too happy, people say, ah, look, she didn't even care. If I look too sad, then they're s- tilting their head and giving the, that kind of that pathetic, sympathetic look. And I don't want right. that either. I, and so I, I don't know how I, I should be. And there's the should. And I'll tell right. them that do what you need to do. As long be as it's you. legal, immoral, or dangerous. <laughs> because according to somebody, you're doing it wrong. Right. So, so you might as well do what it is you need to do. For because, you. For you, because you will be judged. We can't avoid that. And those it, those that do judge, well, shame on you for judging, because you you if, if you were in somebody else's shoes, um, you may behave a very different way, but you're not them. They're not you. So do what you need to do. And um, you had mentioned earlier, I thought about it, uh, even apropos that saying to someone, I know how you feel is one of my big, uh-uh, big, eh, put that X. Yep. <laughs> put that X there because you don't know how anybody else feels and it can be perceived um, as insensitive. You right. can ask someone, help me understand how you feel.
0: Or I feel for you.
2: Or I feel I'm, it Must that must be awful. What's yeah. that like for you? But telling someone you know how they feel is, again, taking away, because you don't. Even if it's the same loss, you don't.
0: Right. That's. I'm really glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like political correctness, but not at all. Like from a very <laughs> kind, loving standpoint right. is where we're bringing this to, right? When we're yeah. talking about death and grieving, the things that we say unintentionally can be so damaging in that moment for the person who's already in the muck.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the last thing we ever want to give. Right. So it's, 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 it's good to come at this from a very oh clear it, perspective.
2: Insane. One of the most misunderstood and, uh, I will misunderstood for sure. Uh, types of loss and death is uh, miscarriage, miscarriage, stillbirth, perinatal loss.
0: Oh.
2: People really are uncomfortable. And so they say things like, at least you know you could get pregnant.
1: <laughs> oh, my at God, least that's
2: horrible. You get to know the baby. <laughs> at oh. least it's God's will. Any of those, no, X, 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 X. B. Before, think, before saying something, if you're going to say at least, don't say it.
0: that's good rule of thumb
2: (laughs) because what you're doing is you're trying to justify for them if they say by the way hold on the game changer if the bereaved person says at least enough fine that's them and this that's how they want to make sense of it but i don't want to make sense of it for them they because they're
0: trying to shape it
2: yeah that and that works for them so it's not about whether you're religious or you're not religious but it's about what 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 does that person need to believe and not for you to impose your, your beliefs on them? And I know, cause I, you know, religion can be a fantastic guide for someone who's going through a difficult time. And so if you are religious or spiritual, fantastic. But if you're, if, if they aren't and you are.
0: <laughs> Here, let me shove that on you. What do you mean yeah. you don't want it?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, the things that people say, you know, it's, it's okay to just say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm here for you. Or people say, call me if you need me. Yeah, no, they don't call.
0: (laughs) Because they, because people go into their own little pits, right? We isolate often. This is a natural response for us when we're in grief, we isolate. And that's actually the last thing we need to be honest. We need some processing time for sure but we also need support around us and that sense of connectedness when we're in a loss.
2: So saying, call me if you need me, often a grieving person won't do it. So being more concrete, hey, do you need me to do a carpool? I'll pick up some food for you or just show up with some food is a big thing. Show up with some food. It, 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 they may t- take you up on it. They may not. I, the other right. side of that coin is helping the griever understand they've got to ask for help. And it, right. whether they, because people don't, aren't mind readers and they don't know, do you want, do you not want, should I be there, should I not be there? So you do have to be clearer, but also the point is not to be afraid to ask, what is it that would be helpful? And, and I'm going to, or I'm just going to do some things that I think might be helpful because it is such a confusing time. I was but just going to
0: say, do you think that they can really articulate when they're really in the mess of it? Do you think they can really articulate these are the things I need?
2: They might not be fair right. enough, not be so, but ask. Cause yep. people, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Well, ask them. <laughs> I don't know if I should <laughs> say something. I don't know if I should not say something. Do we bring it? I said, here's a novel idea. Ask them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or make some suggestions. Yeah. I, I would like to bring you over some meals for the week. Yeah. Cause I know that this is really not what you want to be doing right now. So I, can I do this for you? Mm-hmm. I, I would like to give you this
2: it's it's it i think it goes a long way but it, we are so afraid to talk about grief and loss we because it makes we us even,
0: uncomfortable.
2: We don't even use the words. So I have a, a slide that I use in my presentation. 72 euphemisms that we use instead of saying somebody died. Gone, <laughs> passed away, lost, kicked the bucket, pushing, updated. Kick the bucket is so insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> my personal favorite, expired, as if someone oh! <laughs> compared to yogurt. And you're expired. But, yeah. So we, And that just talks about how uncomfortable we are with the topic why because it's unknown and it's awkward and the more but the more we talk about it the right. more we, i think the more we learn to deal with and talk about death and dying the more we appreciate life and living
0: i agree and it's and it's part of a cycle it's part of a cycle and when we look at death i don't know i look at like i look at the beginning of life is celebration right there's this whole existence in front of you And then death is the conclusion of that existence. Well, depending on what your belief systems are, what happens after and whatever, right? I think we're energy. So we just go back into energy, which is pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah, But um, it's still something to be seriously celebrated. I don't know. I look at like life as something to celebrate at any given point in the experience, whether it's the beginning, the middle, the end, somewhere in between, it's something to be celebrated. And I, I don't know. I, I don't look at death as something to be terribly mourned. I, you go through mourning. Right. Absolutely. Again, that grief totally hit me. Um, but it is absolutely something to be celebrated. And that's, where, that's why I was saying, like, when you get to the other side, you get to appreciate all the things that that life gave you.
2: I hope that there is. I think we talked about that the other day is that there are lessons to be learned. Yeah, and uh, from grief and loss. Although it's very hard to say to someone, and maybe even disrespectful, but right out of the gate to moment. start to about the lessons, I I wouldn't necessarily go <laughs> there. Look at the gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it could be a little awkward, doesn't you know. <laughs> it? But but uh, um, I mean, I certainly have gone through such a journey myself in terms of how my losses and i'm not sure what um uh or how much i'm supposed to share on you can share it all baby i always say what's a nice girl like me doing in a profession like this well it didn't (laughs) find me i found it because uh, i had a brother that died and he was hit by a car Uh, it was a hit and run and he was walking on the sidewalk and the car went on the sidewalk and just hit him and he died on impact And my life changed forever. And even though I was already a social worker at the time, I decided that um, I I knew that I didn't know how to do grief, and I started to look for resources and support. And there really wasn't a lot out there. So, in my quest to create some resources and support, I came across a funeral home that was um, starting a new program called Aftercare, and this was to help families after there had been a death. You fill out government paperwork, connect them to resources, help them find clothing donations. And I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I right. applied for the position. I got it. And I, um, I went back to school. Although I was already had a graduate degree in social work, I went back to do a, another certificate in loss and bereavement and then spent five years working with families, helping them through the grief process and connect them to resources so they didn't fall through the cracks.
0: Right. there's so much unknown when someone passes what to do
2: it's it's so so that's been the journey and i took a tragic situation and developed it into or or from learning from from what happened and i feel like i mean i'm now 30 years in where i'm doing lots of grief counseling i wrote the book um i i the, uh, I run a grief camp for children, a free grief camp for children. It's a weekend long bereavement camp for kids that honors the memory of the person who died. And I feel like I honor my brother every single day.
0: It's empowering a disempowerment in that moment. It was so disempowering. His life is taken so quickly. Yeah. And you've taken it and created something, a movement that is so powerful out of it.
2: That- move, yeah. Well, we and all-
0: that into itself is an incredible gift that you give the world because of it.
2: Yeah. No, and when I work with women, thank you. I should say thank you. I appreciate that. When <laughs> I work with women who have had a perineal loss, stillbirth, miscarriage, and they, then they get pregnant and they're happy. And then but they, they feel say, oh, guilty. I feel guilty. How can I be happy? And I say, hang on. You're not happy instead of. You're happy because of. Right. And that's a very important distinction for anybody who is in a new relationship after the death of a partner, perhaps, or any, any feeling any happy, you, you, you now know the, how devastating life can be. So for me, every minute of happiness that anyone can have, given the tragic circumstances, and we all know death rate is so. hundred <laughs> percent.
0: It's guaranteed. Uh, it's There's guaranteed. no getting away from it. It's just when. Yeah. Okay. So what would you say is a good process um, that you kind of take people through to help them when there has been a sudden death? Because that seems to be like the the lead up to someone who's, you know, like I, I think of cancers often when I think of this and, mm-hmm. and they're drawn out or Alzheimer's or some serious illnesses that take someone away from the from us over a longer period of time we have more time to prepare ourselves and to Mm -hmm. mentally process this however when it comes to short term or very sudden deaths, when you think about like um the mass shootings that we've seen like that is just it first of all it's mindless Mm -hmm. it's so pointless there's 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 nothing behind that i guess sudden death really there is nothing behind it for anybody
2: no, 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 no. It, 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 you know, so um, can I give you a long answer? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give you a long answer because this is all part of the TED Talk. So basically, uh, uh, given my experience with families and grief and loss, I developed an acronym to help people understand why they grieve the way they grieve. Right. So the acronym I'll say is it depends on how many scars you have.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: scars stands for society yes the first s is for society how does society define the death was it um a death of um an older person of a long a long-term illness like a sort of a normative type of loss versus uh a miscarriage where you, you know the sentiment is you can always have another so to speak and so how society defines that is going to have an impact on how much support you get And how comfortable people are talking about a homicide, a suicide. These are sudden deaths. So if people are not comfortable with it, you're not going to have the same. It's going to affect your grief process because people are not going to be. It's going to be like this silent um, experience because people aren't comfortable. So that's number one. Number two, the the C stands for circumstances. What were the circumstances surrounding the death? Was it a long-term illness or a sudden death? I'm often asked, which is harder better i'm like really no no neither it's not, it's not a race it's not a competition but they both have different reactions and, right. and and the circumstances in terms of long-term illness as you mentioned you have the time to do anticipatory grief which is knowing and even though it's always going to be difficult but there's of course the rea- there's the preparation that you know that this could happen might happen so
0: or that it is have, going to happen and, and you're going to you're processing. You are so processing over a longer period order.
2: of time. You can, um, you can say things, hopefully, that you w- would not have normally said. Right. With sudden death. There's a shock and, and uh, disbelief that happens that it's it's overwhelming and can become complicated because you no one was prepared for it
0: and there's no closure
2: there's no, well there's yeah. No, yeah so it's ha- it's then working with someone and trying to find ways that are meaningful and relevant to them that could help them find and i'm not even sure i believe in closure i believe in in rituals and honoring the memory but i'm not sure Beautiful. if closure is it is um it, i think it, it c- could be a bit of a made-up mm-hmm. thing that we use the word all the time because if it's ongoing, and you're just what it is, is you're changing your relationship with the person who died. You're not right. Death you're ends. Not ending life. it. Not, not a relationship. So if you look at it that way, I'm very involved and interested in how do you maintain a connection to the person. It's not the way it was, but it could be a different way, and that's right. okay. We can talk about that. So that's SC. A is your ancestry. How was death talked about in your family? Was uh. it swept under the rug? Was it suck it up and don't cry or, or did you have a space for it? Cause I hear from people a lot that say, you know, my dad died six months ago. I'm still crying. What's wrong with me? Right. What's wrong with you? Why That's do you think there's something wrong with you? Because the first thing that someone says to me when they start crying is what do they do? Know. First thing, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, people always apologize for crying. I'm like, why are you apologizing for crying?
0: It's an emotional outlet.
2: Yeah, so they'll look at me and I'll say, "Well, weren't they worth crying over?" <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
2: Sort of, you know, and and then so I'll say to to uh, someone when you, or think about it, if you're uh, if if you if you're even if your family's dynamic was suck it up, but that's not who you are. Doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. So the next time your family says to you, "What's wrong with you? Why are you still crying?" Ask them, "What's wrong with them? Why aren't they?"
0: Or like it's that should have again, right? You yeah. should be like me. Oh, that's I'm projecting it. my my viewpoint on you. Why aren't you like me? Why are you still crying? Yes. So That's not you.
2: R. We just talked about the R. You and I talked about it in terms of your, your dog. It's not about who died. It's about the relationship and the meaning of that relationship to the person or the pet who died. And I sort of went over that story around yeah. if, if, you're closer and and life happened to you and significant things happened while your dog was in your life, that dog is going to have far more meaning than other people. And not because you don't love a relative, but not if just because someone's related to someone doesn't make them that close or that kind of connection. In fact, at Camp I run, we don't say the death of a a loved one. We say the death of a significant person because not everybody's a loved one. So that's the R and the last S is for support. Mm. Um, I used to think that just because you had family members, I say, "Oh, yeah, you have family. Yeah, okay, you're good to go." Yeah, mm, no, no. not so much, right? <laughs> family is can be brings out the <laughs> right, this brings out the best and the worst. In <laughs>
0: family so, has interesting dynamics on yeah. any given day, let alone bringing death into it.
2: Right, 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 right. So you know, so the support comes in many shapes and sizes. So what kind of support you have? does have a significant impact on how you grieve. And support doesn't always mean your family and may not be the people that you think, but should be or could be people, a good therapist, good friends, an online support group, some yep. literature um, or, a, or a group in general. I love, I'm i a very big group worker and I believe in the power, especially with grief of groups. So all of those factors really do play a role in how you're going to grieve. And certainly when there's a sudden death and the circumstances around the death, because let's say it's a death by suicide, right? You're not going to get this. You might not, I don't want to say, you might not get the same kind of support and you need it. So you need to find places and be proactive about finding places that can give you that support because it's going to be complicated when there's a sudden death because you haven't had any of the anticipatory grief or the preparation to deal with it. And if it's a homicide or a suicide, you, you, you're, you're going to be even more alienated, or you might be more alienated from your family or from people. And, you know, you become the next, uh, you're walking places that people are pointing, you're looking, pointing, or secretly Judging. (laughs) judging. Yeah. Thank you. Judging. And, uh, and, but nobody's talking.
0: Right. It, you know, it just popped into my head too. So in the circumstance of your brother, in the circumstance of we, the the school bus that um, killed a whole hockey team up here, um, situations like that where a person is a victim. Okay. So the circumstance is victim, right? These are victims. And now the families are victims. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The forgiveness that is shaped around that how would you help someone get to the point to forgive the other person so the person that hit them the person that like i look at the guy and seriously i'm on the outside right i am not one of the parents of those kids and both my kids play hockey Mm. so when this came out it was a really big thing in the hockey community um i still have shivers going through me as i'm saying that that's so weird Um, I remember reading about the driver of that bus. Yeah. Or or the sorry, of the truck that hit the bus. Right, right, right. And I mean, I I feel so horrible for this guy. Because this has changed the lives of the families. Yeah. This has changed his life forever. He has to own and carry yeah. these deaths with him. Mm-hmm. That is a horrific heavy weight to carry. For sure. For anybody. Yeah. So, again, I'm on the outside. These aren't my kids, so I can look at this and say I feel for both sides. Yeah, and I could see how it would be so very important to forgive him for what happened because again, it's not malice. He was tired.
2: That's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can, you can not. You can live your life in anger, and right. and, and it's not taking away with no disrespect because it's a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, by all means. But forgiveness, I believe, is about ourselves and not about the other person.
0: Oh, I so agree. I just wrote about <laughs> forgiveness and how it's us harboring an emotion that they have no longer. They no longer hold. Yeah, they can't control me because we no. sit there. I mean, for me, we never even people couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so
2: long ago. It was thirty-one. It's going to be thirty-one years that since my brother was killed, and people said at the time, "Are you going to go to the?" the trial of them but we never wanted to it was irrelevant he was irrelevant to us that wasn't going to change anything except make us feel so i do not even i don't even know if we got sure i have no idea and you know what i really don't care because that had nothing to do with the fact that it wasn't going to change what happened nope. maybe that's me and i'm not saying that these families are not gonna of right. course they're they're not gonna feel okay it's not like i i'm i'm, uh, I'm I'm okay with what happened. I'm just, I just choose what's in our control. I right. choose not to spend my life angry and bitter. I've, I've gotten more
0: angry We're and bitter. Or holding than... that pain. Or yeah. holding yeah. that pain. So I literally just wrote about this yesterday or today. Today it went out. Mm. Um, I was writing about forgiveness and what ends up happening. So you know my story with my father.
1: Yes. And that
0: was a tough, like, there are a lot of things that happened in my life that were really hard to forgive. Mm-hmm. And when something happens to you, so in the case of a mass shooting, right, this yeah. is horrible. People die for absolutely no reason other than this person who comes in that is holding on to so much pain that they now have to push it out in the most horrific, horrific ways. So I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking okay so how do we release this? How do you forgive someone that's done something so wrong to you? Right? But really what we're doing is we're holding on to their pain yeah. like it's our own. We're angry about it, we resent it, we we hurt from it, but we're 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 not allowing ourselves to be us in that right. in, in our experience moving forward in life the longer we hold it.
2: Yeah and how do you how do you teach that to people because you it can destroy
0: you it can destroy and, and you
2: and i don't believe and i'm not believe please don't hear me as saying that it it's okay what oh, happened oh no 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 and, you know, no no there's a difference can, Well, we can be fine no it's horrible what happened but i just don't want you as the person as the griever to live in that pain and that space you you've already had a hor- horrific thing happen to you why
0: why Carry it forever, yeah, and perpetuate you carry
2: it. Carry the 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 love. You right. can carry the and 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 that's why I I mean it, we have choices. I chose. I joke around. I say I think I said it to you the other day. I'd would I rather be a real estate agent? Maybe, but this <laughs> is what happened. This is what happened, and this is what I chose to do with it. Right. The family, one of the families I'm dealing with, who who's or working with, who had a terrible, sad tragic um after a number of failed miscarriages i delivered a beautiful baby and this baby uh, died eight eight days later and there's no method or madness or reason or whatever and i mean with i won't go into more details except to say that some of the things they're doing now by creating a, um, a foundation, and I'm doing a, a group for male grief because of it. That the foundation is sponsoring that, right. they're doing and purchasing more things for the children's hospital. This is not going to bring back their no. son, but it, but it, will it honors help him, honor him.
0: Yeah. yeah, honors him and all the children that follow right? And all the families that, that's now it's it's that, um, pebble, right? It's the pebble in the water. It's, it's the afterflow of it all. The ripple effect. It's what we can do through the experience and the gifts that we end up giving because of the experience. It's funny. So I'm thinking about the whole forgiveness thing. And I realized, and I wrote this in my newsletter, um, I realized there were with forgiveness, you have to see what's happening. It's not that you're forgiving their behavior. It's right. not. No. It's not that you're excusing it and saying it's okay. Because at no point is that what forgiveness is really about. Forgiveness is about recognizing where they're at in that moment. So I recognized where my father was at and what he needed in those moments. And what led him up to it, right? So I, I sent out and my forgiveness involved... Giving him love because he was sadly lacking that. My forgiveness involved giving him support. And um I don't know. I, I wrote it in the newsletter. There was a whole bunch of things I wrote. But, but it's so it, important what you're saying. But it's it was so all the things that they were missing in that moment that led them to that. Because I mean, you think about mass shootings, these people are not okay in that moment to be able to go out and do something like that. It's not. It's not really in our nature as much as we can be destructive. It's not really our nature to go out and
2: you no, know, go very, shoot up. Very, very Oops. disturbed people. Yes. We're very isolated. And it's not ever gonna be okay.
0: It's never I gonna be okay.
2: I, I don't I would love to think that people don't spend their lives punishing themselves. Mm. In, it's almost like a prison of, of, of it of- is
0: a prison. It is absolutely a prison we hold ourselves in. When we hold on to these crazy, heavy emotions like that, and anger actually isn't even the lowest emotion, shame and guilt are, but, but if we're holding on to these emotions for long, long periods of time, it anchors us and drowns us. And what kind of life is that that you're now living out in the world because this incident has happened, whatever it may be? Letting go is, it's, it's a skill set we all need to learn. Whether it's a grief, like letting go of that grief, mm-hmm. honoring honoring the loss, mm-hmm. but learning how to let go is absolutely vital to our existence.
2: On so many levels, I agree with you. On so many levels of this letting go, and I was fascinated and intrigued. Why do people get stuck in their grief? What right. makes us get stuck? And I alluded to it earlier, the fact that we are in the event. This event happens, and we're there. Right, and we want to go, maybe move forward into life, but we're afraid. Fear. Uh-huh.
0: Hello, fear. Hello. <laughs> Look, I know that one.
2: So many acronyms. Fantasize experience appearing real. F.E.A.R. Or oh uh, forget everything and run. There's a lot of them, but whatever is right. keeping you there, and even if it's not working for you, I suppose it's somewhat working for you, but that because that fear is holding you there. Because moving forward, not moving. On. Moving forward, we if you understand that you can take your grief, you can take your memories with you, because sometimes I guess we believe or think that if we move forward into life, we are leaving that person
0: behind. Oh, God, no. Like I said, I carry my dog with me all the time. I,
2: so if we can help people understand that you can move forward in, and that's what I said, creating a different relationship so that you don't, well, you're never going to leave that person behind. They're Just always going to be with you. you they're always going to be with you. So you don't have to stay stuck and you don't have to stay miserable. It doesn't, by the way, it doesn't make you a better griever. <laughs> <laughs> then nobody gets a prize for the best griever.
0: Oh It's, I often think about the whole concept around grief. So my mom carries grief still, and she's mm-hmm. in her sixties. And for her, her sister died when she was fourteen. So that's a long time to hold on and not let go. No. And it's really it's really not, fa- how's that ahead. work for her? <laughs> it's, know, to be honest, it's it's interesting because this is part of the reason why I got into what I do. And this is part of the reason why I talk about all the things that I do and I talk about emotions and I talk about how we need to release them and how we need to detach them from the experience because everything in life is all about meaning to us, right? So when we're little, we're placing meaning on the world because we have no idea what this world means yet. So for a 14-year-old to lose her sister and the circumstances around that were really weird. My mom had a dream about the car accident she tried to warn her sister three months later the accident happens so she felt absolutely responsible for that death which is crazy no one is responsible for a death death happens when it happens the way it the way it does Mm -hmm. and so she's carried that forever and i've i've had many a conversation with my mom about this and she still sits stuck I I don't know how to unlock this with her. It's tough when it's a family member too. And I have tools and she doesn't want to take them.
2: (laughs) But but you can only I just had this with a client, the discussion with a client a couple of hours ago, you can only bring a horse to water. You can't make them drink, which by the way, doesn't mean I'm assuming I'm a, (laughs) (laughs) but no, No, but totally true of, of that sometimes we want more for whether it's a client and certainly a family member than right. they want for themselves. And that's it's why not that I, they
0: don't want it. It's not that they don't want it. They absolutely want it. They're not ready. It? They don't know how, they don't know how to let that go. They're afraid.
2: Oh, what is it? Do I, do I let go of the memory? What, there's something that is, that's why I said, even if it's not working, it's working.
0: Oh, there's something of value in that. So this actually kind of leads me into the concept around roles. And if I let go of that, I'm no longer a victim, or I'm no longer a this, or I'm no longer a that. And I've known this for so long, I wear it as my identity. So then who am I?
2: So that's part of it. It's if I, And those are why I talked about, don't kid yourself, everything's related to loss. There's secondary losses, the loss right. of the role loss of being a caregiver, a sibling, a a partner, a parent, which I don't know that we can ever really not be a parent, but we feel like it. So there's all these secondary losses that happen when a death occurs that we don't talk about and we don't address. And they're just as, I mean, the death is traumatic or or very difficult, but they're just as as significant and relevant.
0: They're the many layers like the onion, right? Yeah. yeah. Just understanding that this is part of your moving through.
2: Yeah. Sometimes people will say, and it it comes up very, very often is that I know that they're devastated about the death, but the, um, they don't have a sense of purpose. Right. And uh, that's what I hear when they're talking is like, so now what, this happened and I did this, I used to do that. And I, and I don't, you have to have something we, I think we all need have something to look forward to, to go forward to, to go towards. And when you don't have that, that's another loss.
0: Well, that's our driver in life, right? Is having some purpose that gets you up. I talk about this actually Mm -hmm. often is knowing what you want. If you really know what you want, you'll be jumping out of bed at 5. AM, even when you don't want to get out of bed, right? You're like, yes, but I'm going to go do this. hoo! Right because you really are focused on what you want. And when a death happens in that case and we've depended on someone else so much for so much of our purpose, instead of finding it within us and what really drives us and what means something to us and how we get to, I often look at how we bring things to the world, right? Mm -hmm. We're here to do things. We're here to experience life and we're here to give our experiences I I believe this. We're here to give our experiences in the best way we can to the rest of the world. So your experience with your brother has led you down this path to give the most incredible opportunity for those grieving to be able to help them move through it instead of being stuck in it. That's something that you bring to the world in such an impactful way. I love what you do. <laughs> can you tell? <laughs> yes.
2: And, and can you tell that I love what I do? I like, feel like, man, with why are you so happy about grief? But I'm happy that <laughs> people say, how can you do it? Right. And, and, and I look at them like, how could I not do it? If you're able to help people accompany them and see, and right. see magical moments that can really unstick them. And right. the, the one, one client I think of, cause she just referred another client to me who's, partner died and baby died and and she's married now with kids and oh my gosh she would have never believed that people would have never believed that that's but i know
0: that that's possible
2: i believe in resilience of of human beings and i don't know how i say i don't know how i don't know how long it's going to take i don't know but i know that you can and you will find your way through because i've met hundreds of people that will and it may be because let's talk about time for a minute how much time does it take? Cause that's the other part of my, oh, right. part in my TED talk is that people say, okay, so when am I going to feel normal again? <laughs> okay. I first of now, all, there's,
0: there's a new normal.
2: That's <laughs> so that's my, that's my term is that, um, the person that you were is not the person that you are today. And, uh, no. even that, uh, even though that's scary to think it's, I don't think I'm telling them something they don't know. And so I call it new normals. And so mm. how do you, find that way and understand that and know that there still doesn't mean so in terms of time it's understanding that time how long how much time does it take well time is an interesting concept i I will say it's relevant it's a full year to experience every birthday holiday anniversary season does that mean you're okay after a year right to go no what it means is you now have the knowledge to know that you can make it through yeah. every birthday, holiday, anniversary, or season with right. tears, with pain. It was time People are always anxious around.
0: Or with beauty or yeah. with appreciation yeah. Yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. whatever However, it
2: is. Every year it's going to change. So just think about grief, which is why we don't get over it. We learn to live with it as a roller coaster. Right. Peaks and valleys, times that are more manageable, times that are more difficult. And it changes all the time. So if you expect that and you understand that you don't think you're going crazy, as things are, are occurring or happening and why you know, people or why know. you feel like They're you're going backwards yeah. yes because you're not right. going backwards it's a dip it's yep. a big it's a valley because something and i talk about triggers triggers right. are unanticipated <laughs> things that could be a song on the radio a, a can of soup at the grocery store a smell right. that is, and they bring you right back and it's as if it just happened and then you say well what's wrong with nothing you're 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 not going
0: Yes. And and you experienced a trigger. Yeah, And you got to recognize the trigger. Everything is about acknowledging first. I mean, we all know that once we acknowledge something, that's the first step to change, right? Right. Right. And then it's understanding that acknowledgement. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so this is a trigger. And I know that if I do these things, I'll be okay with the next and the next and the next time it shows up. Right. Because
2: I can, and I did make it or find my way through. And so there's people that right. say, well, the second year was harder than the first. And I can understand that in the respect of, yes, now you know you could make it through. But now you don't get to say, well, last year at this time, da-da-da. Right. It's now over a year. So yeah. different years, different times. If I told you that there would, might be a time that you actually might not remember a, a birthday or a holiday. Oh, not holiday, but a birthday or anniversary or something like that. I would have never believed it. And I remember my friend calling me a couple of years ago and saying, yeah, I know today's a tough day for you. And,
0: and you're like, why?
2: I'm like, why? What's today? And she goes, uh, your brother's birthday. I'm like, well, it wasn't until you called.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs>
2: you know, it, there are times where it's first and foremost, and I know coming up what, it'll, what it might feel like, but also the anxiety is far worse than anything that ever happens. Right. Because it happens what happens. It's what you create in your mind about what might happen or could happen. Why is a birthday? Oh my gosh, a birthday is coming up. I'm, I'm really not looking forward to it. Well, why is that day any different than any other day?
0: And what you just said is really interesting, really, really interesting, because our thoughts take us down paths, right? And they create the response in the body. So as you're talking about anxiety, oh, the birthday is coming up. This is going to be so bad. I'm setting myself up. For torture through the body, literally torture through the body. Cause I'm now flooding myself with a whole bunch of chemicals through my body that make me feel totally crappy because that's where my thoughts are leading me. And the more I think about it, the more I create it.
2: Oh yeah. Build it, build it, build it, build, build it, build it. it. Exactly. And everyone. So it's a little sick because on the day of, it's, if you check in with anybody, it was, it was what it was. Even right. if it was awful, it was what it was. And now you're talking day after. So the, or
0: it, you experienced something really great on that day by fluke. Right?
2: Yeah, you don't <laughs> right. know. You, really you don't, don't
0: know. know. You don't know. That's so incredible.
2: It is in our control, mm-hmm. very much so. That's the piece. We can't control the death. We can't control how others around us do or react but we can't control
0: or expect us to react or respond or behave but you can be you yeah and I allow understand. things to be
2: i love this you do you i love that i, I wasn't <laughs> so familiar with that expression And this summer a lot of the staff i worked with used it i said it's great it's so true you do you, you know, just, I want to look, yeah just look
0: yeah just be you be you and know who you is Right. This is the biggest thing. Most people have so many influences laid on them and haven't recognized those yet. I talked about that in, uh, when I talked about belief systems. And our belief systems are literally just the influences we've taken through multiple sources in our life. Right, So my beliefs, I talked about this actually in the sex series, what we bring into the bedroom and belief systems are crazy. They're crazy. But it's the same thing with all things in life. Our influences dictate what we think we should behave like, act like, move forward like. And that's not us. That's the influence. That's the layer. That's the veil, the perception, the lens we are now wearing and looking at the world through. So figuring out who you are is, I think that's one of the biggest gifts I got through that death of like Annabelle's death. There were so many lessons I learned through the death of my dog which was honestly mind blowing to me but part of it was figuring out who i was and that as much as i sat there and said oh i could have been better this i could have done that yes we can always be better but in that moment i gave her the best i could in those moments and honestly she lived a really good life there you go yeah so then in the end i went i'm no I gave what I could in those moments and I can be proud of that. There's nothing to regret. And regrets, oh
2: I hate regret. I Me don't too.
0: believe I don't believe in it either. I'm like, I will go to my death with zero regret. I have zero regret now. And I've done some crazy things in my life, but <laughs> I, I now recognize that they were all they were all perpetuated. All my actions were perpetuated by belief systems that I wasn't really aware of at the time. And therefore you are how you are in the moment based on the belief systems you carry.
2: Exactly. And if some people listening don't necessarily believe that they can change their belief systems, (laughs) uh, a a real easy way to prove it. I hope I'm not destroying this for anybody, (laughs) but uh, for all of you who grew up in the, uh, I don't know, in the late, oh, anywhere. uh, As kids, did you believe in the tooth fairy?
0: Right. (laughs) <laughs> did, right. Did you believe in okay, Santa so or, the, this
2: or anybody, the, Easter bunny. the Easter bunny? This, and then what? And you did. And then you didn't. That's
0: right. Well, honestly, there's a million belief systems that we take on. And then at some point, some shift, cause we're like, that's just stupid. Right. Yeah. Or some that are really heavily ingrained that we come to understand later again, starts with awareness
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. and then moves
0: from there. But then we come to understand this does not serve me, right? Me carrying all those emotions with my experiences as a kid, those weren't serving me. They were holding me back in every way possible. I played so small and hid like a little ball. How is that serving anyone? Certainly doesn't serve me. That's not great for me. That's not about me. And then it wasn't actually me doing anything out in the world either because even when I was in finance and I knew – I'm sitting across the table from someone and I carry a ton of knowledge that will benefit them and make their lives so much better. And I'm letting them walk out of the office without doing anything. Why?
2: Right. So why? Because of your belief.
0: Because, because I, oh, but I shouldn't, they, you know, they get to make this choice. They do. They do get to make this choice. But there's also that point where you just kind of like, you could say something else. You could give them that last little nudge that sometimes yeah. that's what people need. They need that nudge. They need to know that you're confident enough because you know yourself and you know your values, but they need to know that you're, you really are the expert and you really can lead them when they need you. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to actually really give to everybody else around us. When we're in wholeness, that's what we do. And when we're in grief, we're lacking that because we're feeling like something is so missing we're disconnected, right
2: yeah and we and we need that we we all need to be as we started earlier. We all need to feel that connection,
0: mm-hmm. so
2: we can be disconnected, but we that doesn't mean we have to stay there
0: nope, and the longer we stay in isolation and disconnected, the further away from ourselves we get. This is what I find the more disconnected and i I'm human. <laughs> I have lots of tools and I've had a lot of experience that has led me down a path to enlightenment of different levels. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes I drop back into human, oh, in such big, heavy, crazy ways. And then other times so far outside of that. But we experience these ups and downs and backs and forths because we get disconnected from self, knowing who we are, why we're here, what we really want to do, the meaning for us in life, what's meaningful to us and how we want to give that. Because ultimately when we're whole, we give unconditionally. We can't help it. Mm-hmm. It's not about being a giver. You, it's overflowing. You just can't help it. It's like what you do. You can't help it. This is just what you do because mm-hmm. this is your gift to the world and you can't help but give it. Just like what I do when I work with people in fear, because I look at the primitive brain from a very interesting standpoint. Yeah. Oh, the hijacks. Yeah. And oh my gosh, yeah. Right? The hijacks. <clears throat> so good.
2: We convince ourselves in or out of anything. Hey, eh? we're really good.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> it's so true. I believe this until I don't. Yeah. <laughs> or this can be like this. Oh, or not. That's right. <laughs> right. So on me. any given day. Yes, belief systems, that's the interesting thing about belief systems, too, is they literally will like ebb and flow, like I can believe this and then completely disregard it and then kind of come back and question it again, and then, yes or no. Usually, when a belief system is shifting, it'll be a um it'll be very much from the standpoint of does this I look at it from the standpoint of does this serve?" but um how is this working? Mm-hmm. Is this working for me? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. it's not really. But okay, so I'm going to make these changes. But then it's my belief system, so I get sucked back in because it's my norm and it's what I know. And, and it's when we comfortable, were
2: comfortable, right? Yep.
0: Yeah, and we were talking about that. There's still something there that it's giving you.
2: Yeah. Right. I, I do believe that. I believe it's, it, there's somehow even in its dysfunctional form, it's serving you. Absolutely. Because oh, we do things dysfunctionally all the time. Because I'm comfortable and I'm used to it, and so this is what I'm going to do. That's 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 what I'm going to do, but it, it doesn't serve us at all.
0: We've gotten so comfortable in our discomfort that we're okay in that space instead of making the the change. And that's same the same hard. thing, right? With the letting go, because all this ties in grief or not being able to let go and move forward means we have to get uncomfortable in a new way. And talking about growing, you're not the same person after a loss, but you're not the same person when you strive for something big either. So I set a goal And I'm never going to be me right now in that goal. I have to grow into that goal or I would have already achieved it. Right. Right. So it's the same thing when we go through any experiences in life that alter us, that shape us, that change us. We are always becoming the next layer of ourselves.
2: So recognizing that that's what I meant about non-death losses. In order to do that, we've got to, we've got, we're moving, which means we're letting go of or giving up something or changing something. And that's what, what, where the resistance comes in.
0: Letting go of, or sorry, um, just thinking about that when we're in the midst of changing. Okay. So whether it's grief, whether it's um, non, non non-death grief, you know, I'm letting go of this job. I'm letting go of this career. I'm, my kids are moving out of the house. Yeah. yeah. When we let go, we're creating space for the next thing that's going to come in and allow us to be the next level of ourselves, the better that, you know, the next level up of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's such an incredible opportunity instead of always seeing it from the loss But I'm losing this. Okay, so I'm now in a breakup and it's messy and I feel so sad because they're gone. But if you look at the other side, so I had the I had the most crazy experience with this. Um, have this breakup. It's it's really anticipated, the breakup, right? Doesn't make it easy. Does not make it easy, but it's anticipated. I basically gave an ultimatum and said, Look at I love myself enough to know that this is what's acceptable and this is what's not. You can choose, but this is where I'm at and two weeks later, we were broke, <laughs> like we were done. Yeah. But in the beginning, it felt like there were so many things going through, right? Lots of emotions that you're dealing with. Mm. And then a month and a half later, two months, a month and a half later, I go on this date and we're in an airplane. So he's a pilot and he owns a plane and we go up and I, I have this realization while I'm up there I will say flying is absolutely spectacular in a two-seater plane. Like it's, it's, oh, it's like meditation for me. It's so great. I will actually probably get licensed in my life. Uh anyways, we're up there and I have this realization. I'm like, had that breakup or that loss not happened, I wouldn't have had the space to even allow this
1: experience,
0: which I am giddy. I'm like a five-year-old kid up here. I'm so excited. And the smile won't come off my face. It actually hurts. I've been smiling for so long. And I never would have experienced it had I not had the space to say yes, because I took the time to let go of what wasn't okay anymore. Right? And that's the same thing. Grieving can hold us in that space where we don't allow the great opportunities of life yeah, to enter in. Well,
2: that's that's uh, number one for sure. It's very well said. It is a choice that we make. I do want to say it's very important that everybody does allow themselves to grieve. Yes. 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 Avoidance is oh, not very love. <laughs> avoidance isn't that good, right? It's so it works so well until oh, it
0: until it doesn't, and then it's <laughs> yeah. blown up because it's yeah. just it's like so, compressed we- gas.
2: So Yeah, exactly. That pressure cooker. So we need to to allow ourselves that that time to grieve and to feel, because what is it? Pain is inevitable, but suffering is not. Right. So if I'm going to tell you that putting your hand on the stove is going to give you pain, you're not going to do it. I understand that. So, because we avoid pain. So we don't want to think about it. We don't want to do the grief work. uh, So we try and avoid it, but it comes back. And hence, many years later, multiple losses, et cetera, et cetera. That's what will come out.
0: Ooh, the compounded the effect
2: is allowing. So you allow when you allow yourself to do your grief work and feel the pain, then you open yourself up for a space. Then to say, forget the guilt. Now you don't have to have guilt. I I I mourned the loss. Yeah. I will always mourn this loss, and that. But that doesn't mean I don't have space for wonderful and new adventures.
0: Right. And, and for life to continue, because that's a thing about death that I found with her was that life carries on. Regardless of how you feel, life still moves yeah, on. like
2: you said, you walked outside and everybody after your was dog, you- Was know, still moving. Wait, for a sec. Didn't the world, you wanted it to be like frozen. Yes. But that's what should have happened. And I always tell that to families all the time. Look outside, the world is still going on. I know for you, it stopped. But this is, because if it stopped for everybody, everything would stop. So I know that that's hard, and it's kind of where it's almost like that, you know, that that wheel, like, and it's going in a park, and like, how do I jump on? What is that thing called? The
0: merry-go-round. Merry-go-round.
2: Yeah. How do I jump? When do I jump on? When do I jump on? But you got to at some point, you got to jump on.
0: That's right.
2: You're missing everything. Everything is gonna just go by.
0: And making the choice, it is, and it is absolutely a conscious choice. So I had a car accident years and years ago, and this is kind of all relevant about getting stuck in things. So I have this car accident and you're reliving it all the time because you're seeing doctor after doctor after doctor. It's horrible. And then you go into, like it's a natural state to go into a depression from an experience like that where you're constantly reliving. Because again, you're setting your brain in motion to continuously perpetuate a chemical cycle through your body as well as the injury. It's, it's fascinating actually. But at some point, I, I literally went, I can't do this anymore. I can't see these doctors all the time anymore. I, like I, I, I have to slow this down. I have to start living. I have to start living because it was a loss of the life I was living before. And many people experience, I never thought of this as loss, but it is true. Many people experience massive altering, um, physical altering experiences. And that is your life is changed. It ain't the same no more. And there's an acceptance that comes with that but there's also a point where you go i need to get up take that first step and move forward whether it's the loss of a relationship the loss of a, a person the loss of a career any of these things
2: yeah well i i i i define myself good better and different very much by my work and i had had an experience where um it's funny at the time I think about it now, it was about 10 years ago or a little less than 10 years ago where I loved my job and my I was uh, laid off. Laid off. I was actually they eliminated my position. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, mean, I was only there for a few years, but I, I just didn't see it coming. And people would think that's horrible. A grief counselor. <laughs> I mean, I right. always did grief counseling on the side, but I had other positions and I just loved the job. And I it I was so devastated by it and I was so hurt that this happened and It was a really difficult time for me because my work was so important to me. Right. And I will talk about forgiveness. I have (laughs) gone to people that were responsible or part of because everything in my life that has been incredible happened after that job. Everything. (gasps) Ah, opening up the space. Because I don't think I would have left. Right. they kind of chose for me. And Sometimes
0: that, that, life pushes you in the right direction. Yeah,
2: I believe that for sure. Regardless of how
0: resistant we are, right? We get so comfortable and it. it's such a great job. I love it. it you yeah. know, it pays me well. However, when you're doing something that you really love, that's awesome because that's great alignment. Yeah. But I think there's something to be said about recognizing that when something crazy happens, it's bad in our like from our view, yeah. it's bad, right? You lost your job. This, this relationship breaks up. This person has now died. There's a loss here. Yeah. We just see it from the, the point of lacking instead of right. what's on the other side of this? What's coming? Yeah.
2: And right? I don't want to, by the way, I don't think it, it helps for me anyway for people to like, say door closes, door. No, no, no. I didn't need the platitudes. I just right. needed to know and it, uh, that this was, this was a hiccup. And, and that I, I have an opportunity now to to really develop my private practice and this and this and that. And like, I mean, the things that have happened in my life since then are incredible. I've literally gone to people from that agency and said, thank you.
0: That's so funny because I have done that with past relationships. I've done that with numerous different things where I've been like, thank you so much for the opportunities that you gave me by letting me go.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's how do we our perspective and how how who are we and how do we see these things maybe not straight away right away but at some point uh, as as opportunities as new chapters as because cru- they are
0: life continues right and i think too from the from the view of death i don't know i i look at it this way too would this person want me to sit here in misery, anchored in these guilty, regretful feelings, or would they want me to live my life here? You know what I mean. There's, there's that yeah, side too.
2: There's everyone has their own way of um, um, their their journey of how mm-hmm. it is, and and so whether, I mean, whether someone would or wouldn't, I mean, I suspect nobody would want somebody, I'd like to believe. I would like
0: to believe somebody, that too.
2: No, would want that. But if, and I've said this a number of times, if lying in your bed, curled up in a ball with your head under the covers was yeah. going to bring them back or make it better, I would tell you, do I tell everybody to do it. Right. But you need your time and i'm not saying that we yep. all have those moments in time and what some people call them pity parties whatever you want to call them but just no, don't allow, allow it allow uh, it lean into it but yep. at the same time it nothing changes if nothing changes
0: one of the best gifts i gave myself was in a breakup um, i it was a really it was it was really hard to have this breakup and when it happened I literally said to myself, I'm going to allow, I'm going to be open to this. I'm going to allow it to be everything it needs to be in this moment, regardless of how messy, how horrible, how whatever, I'm just going to allow all of it to flow through all of it. And then on Monday or whatever, I'm going to pick myself up Mm -hmm. and start moving. I gave myself a deadline. Sounds kind of crazy. That I gave myself a deadline no, for the morning. I think it's
2: great. It's cool. No, but deadline for, for part of it anyway. You right. Do more, right. But it be the because same. it's
0: part of the process. Yeah. But I will say there was such an incredible gift in that because I was a complete mess, allowed myself to be the complete yeah. mess in that moment. And I had some great support around me. I, I went over and saw some friends. And, and then by Monday, I literally felt very different because I, Emotions are crazy. What they do inside the body, like when we cry, it's such an incredible release of something so heavy for us. So being allowed to cry to the point of like completely swollen eyes, wearing ice packs, (laughs) completely ridiculous, right? Super, super messy. But allowing that to flow through instead of get stuck, yeah, allows you to process things a little bit quicker within. Your own space, and oh, get up and move. Permission, yes, ha-
2: affects us holistically. It affects us our our thoughts, our body, our our feelings,
0: our spirit, our spirit.
2: Yeah. So when we deny it and uh, denial this is another Coreyism. Didn't even know I am lying.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> that is
2: so good. Didn't even know I was lying. Yeah. So we 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 it has to go somewhere, right? So, Allowing them. so nor i a big part of my work is normalizing general generalizing and of course validating someone's experience, yeah, but helping them move slowly and if someone i medical i've had clients that for sure that want to stay stuck and either you know what right so good like what can i tell you that's it that's where you want to be i can call it what i see okay but that's where there's only so much i can do with you even a client that wasn't a death but it was just sort of a loss of direction and they said well why should i bother trying i'm only going to fail and i'm like okay well i can't work with you and they're like what and i said well you've already decided you're going to fail so there's nowhere for me to go from from that that. there's no work here to be done And she thought about it and I said, you know, I, you're right. You might fail.
0: (laughs) You're always right. (laughs) But
2: but you might not, I don't know. So, but if you're not, if you've already decided then you have failed, essentially, you're right. So she thought about it and we worked together and this woman now lives in another country. She bought me a book, Life is Good, because she opened herself up to move forward and not being stuck.
0: And she started to question, why do I believe that? Why do I believe that I'm going to fail? What if you don't? Why would you automatically go to I'm going to fail? Yes. Yeah. Which is actually big for a lot of people. It's not so much the fear of failure; it's the fear of success. I find more often than not.
2: Well, what if? What if? What if it doesn't work? What if it works? You know, people don't are are afraid of. We talked about control, but we also didn't use the word. They want certainties. Right. And if the thing is something is uncertain, I'm going to stay where I am because I know this. I know this crappy job. I know this crappy relationship. Yep. So Often. I might not like it, but it's it's the, the, you know it doesn't help us better the devil. But it's you know, safe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's and safe.
2: With with every change comes risk. And, yes.
0: Our and- willingness to take the step. And it's courage. It's not like I look at fear from a very interesting standpoint. I don't think we're ever fearless. I think we have moments when we have no fear because it's not a situation that puts us in fear.
2: Right.
0: Right. Okay. Like you get up and you talk on stage. Are you afraid every time you talk on stage?
2: There's adrenaline, but not, not obviously not incapacitating fear. Right.
0: Um, so for me, when I get, <laughs> actually, that's a funny story. <laughs> yeah. But for me, there's a little bit of fear. Because that's my built, it's all of our built-ins. Yeah. Yeah. However, mine has existed in a different space for me and I'm still working through that space sometimes, um, but I'm much more aware. So it makes it a lot easier to deal with. However, I do believe that we move into fearful situations with courage. We are willing to acknowledge that what's on the other side of that fear mm-hmm. is greatness. And that's in whatever choices we make in our life. The greatness of like the other side of the loss, opening up to the space of what's coming. coming, Which is terrifying. It is terrifying. I
2: don't know what my life is going to be like without that person, without that, uh, that job. So it's terrifying. Let's call. Okay. But it's not impossible.
0: Oh God. No. (laughs) And it's really exciting. Once you take the first step and something happens And the second step and something happens. And then you're like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. It often reminds me. So I was in this event, like, I don't know, probably five years ago. And, um, we do this fear exercise and it's a, it's an arrow on your throat. Okay. You yeah. break the arrow. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's great yeah. for your exercise. So I remember looking at the facilitator saying, so I just stepped forward and she <laughs> says, yep. And I'm like, okay. And I step forward and you feel the pinch in yeah. your, like the soft part of your throat. And you're yeah. like, ow, that hurts. Oh, that's not bad. And this is the process, right? And this is all things in life when we take that risk.
1: right?
0: Oh, that hurts. Oh, actually, that's not, oh, no, it's okay. Oh my God, it's bowing. Oh, it just broke. It just broke. Holy shit. I just did that.
2: that amazing. Right. Really adrenaline. Have, um, was that with someone facing you or you? Nope. you-
0: You're up, like, the one side of the arrow is up against the wall, and the other side is up, like, on you.
2: I've done the metal bar. I've done it between myself and the facilitator. Literally a three-quarter-inch metal bar. Literally looked at each other and walked, bent that bar, walked on fire. So crazy, hey? The most – I did that and went and quit my job.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because you realize the fears that we face – are really not what we think they are. We make them into these incredible ideas and images, just like we do death. But I can't live without them. My world means nothing without them. Oh your my world gosh. means everything. Yeah, They because were just a part you. of it, right?
2: And don't, I'm not going to make it through the funeral. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I'm yeah. not going to make it. Yeah, you will i just why because i i you might need medication you might need support you might even need a wheelchair because you can't walk i don't know it depends on the right. person but but you i've seen enough people to know that you can and you will yeah. and it's and it will be whatever it'll be but you you, you will but you that's
0: don't. that's one of the things with isolation too when you think about it um but it's different for me right people people are like but that's not me it's different for me. Oh. This, this this is different because it's me.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. That's good right? for your. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that works, but not you. You're
0: right. Yeah. So often you hear that, but the, but it's but I'm different.
1: Yeah.
0: Like. But, but. 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 And that's where support groups can be really, really effective for people working through grief.
2: For sure, because you even though no one even if in those groups you might hear a little bit of I know how you feel and i'm I'm more okay with it because mm. you're either in a widow support group or women who've had perinatal loss or stillbirth I've done groups for caregivers I'm doing a male grief group now, and it's so powerful but it's it's putting yourself in the environment of other people who help you normalize your experience because you really are thinking this is only me and yep. no it's it looks a little different because of all the because of the scars of course. Right? It, a little different, but it's, there's a similarity and a support that really helps you. So, you know, I can give you an example of a woman in a group who said to me, I don't like to go get my hair done. And the other women were, why? And she said, because I have no one in the house to say you look nice. And everybody in the group went, oh, you know, whereas out of that group, people most likely would have said, oh, just call me. They don't get it the same
0: way. Right. And there's a connectedness too, as soon as we realize we are not the only ones who've experienced this. And I mean, rationally, from a logical standpoint, again, this is like mm-hmm. what part of your brain is functioning at this time. But from a logical standpoint, you're like, of course, people have experienced death before. or Of course, people have lost yeah. a child before. or of, cor- of course. But when we're in it, we don't think like that. So it's really, I think there's a lot of power in community, regardless of what you're moving through. There's something to be said about being connected with others because it allows us to be connected with ourselves and know that they we're not alone. Right. You know, we're never alone. And then that just brings me into quantum entanglement, makes me think we're never alone. <laughs> <laughs> but we aren't. <laughs> oh Corey, I could talk to you for days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure. It has been such an incredible pleasure to have you on the podcast and to just really be able to kind of flush out some ideas around grief, loss, things I hadn't really thought of as loss and how we, how we manage those. Um, And then some ideas on, you know, seeking out support groups or doing what we need to, or putting a timeline on something, you know, allowing yourself to really be submersed in the experience in the moment, have the support around you and just allow it to be what it has to be in that moment. It's honestly us in our vulnerability and us in these moments are us being so strong in moments of weakness. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I think back, I was a complete mess and a like a disaster. That was like one of my lowest weakest points, but it was also one of my strongest points, allowing myself to do it.
2: Do it and know that you can and will find your way through, which is something I say all the time. So I do say that, um, ultimately, the grief experience is, is the journey that we all go on and um, you will heal, yeah. but the scar will always be there. And the more profound the scar or the more pronounced the scar, the more yeah. profound the loss.
0: And you know what? Those scars are beautiful. Yeah. They shape us yeah. into the incredible beings we are. Yes, life experiences are are honestly gifts, regardless of how we perceive yeah. them in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay, you. so tell me, what are you up to right now? What would you like to leave the listeners with? Oh,
2: gosh. Anybody interested in um, more about a bit about around the grief process, et cetera, I have a book called Someone Died, Now What? Yep. Uh, a Personal and Professional Perspective on Grief and Loss. That's on Amazon. I will have a TEDx talk coming out which finds the loss and found how to create new normals, which uh, talks about the scars and how to move uh, finding new normals or creating new normals after someone you love dies. And uh, anyone who's in the Montreal area and knows a family who has had a death in the family could be any time, any kind of loss of anyone in the family, we do offer a free... Weekend long grief support group. If someone can bring a family to Montreal, we're happy to house them. The camp's going to be from August seventh to the ninth, and uh, in of, of two thousand twenty. And love to hear from you. You can look that up. Um, just Google me, Corey at coreysirota dot com. And, and
0: I'll have uh, all your links and stuff in in the show notes, anyways. And I already mentioned the name of your book because I think it's fantastic. Uh-huh. Everyone should read this. It's such a powerful, powerful tool to have to know how to let go and move through and not get stuck in any area in our life. Thank you for the gift that you bring this world, and thank you to your brother for the gift that he is now given in a different way. Yes,
2: oh, I love it. Then. I appreciate that so much. You are wonderful. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> All right, Corey. thank you so right. much. What amazing gifts she has just given you. The tools, the insights, all of her wisdom and knowledge. Thank you so much, Corey. And you, my beautiful peeps, you, my beautiful souls, I want to invite you to fearitgoes.com. That's right. Come leave comments. Come subscribe to the podcast if you're loving this because there's so much great details that I always want to give you. Come subscribe. Come leave leave a five star. Yes, we love five stars. And if it's less than five stars, please write me and let me know why. I always want to improve. So I, I want to bring you the best that I possibly can and what's going to be valuable to you. So if I'm not hitting the mark, send me a note. It's the only way I can improve is to hear what it is that you guys are really seeking out or what you really want that's going to feed your soul. Now, you can check us out at fearitgoes.com. Go to the podcast page, leave comments there. If you are ready to take a stand in your life and ready to take the journey into self, to really become your authentic self and live your fullest life, come to Fear It Goes and send me a message. I'd love to help you. This is what lights me up inside. I will bring you every tool I have available to me and those that I'm always learning. So I will always be adapting to what is going to work best for you. Until next week, my beautiful souls, have an absolutely extraordinary week and choose to be the exception to the rule.